from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. The fear of sanctions has kept a lot of banks and credit unions from supporting this industry. You know, do you want to keep me as a customer but still charge me that fee? In which case, I can. And I'm just telling you straight up, I can't do that. I mean, we've got um, nearly 40 states that have some form of legalization. It passed with a majority of the voters, I believe 66%. Yeah. At this point, I mean, it's really just past time for the Senate to act. I'm Sarah Fenske. Ever since California became the first state to legalize medical marijuana all the way back in 1996, banking has been a big problem for companies in the cannabis business. That's because the federal government still considers marijuana a Schedule I drug, and it's the federal government that charters banks. And so even though Missouri is late to the pot party, the banking issues experienced by medical marijuana entrepreneurs in California in the late 90s remain an issue today. Recently, they ensnared Craig Kaminer. Craig is the publisher of Sophisticated Living. That's a glossy, upscale local magazine. He is decidedly not in the cannabis business. But Craig recently got an email from his banker at Enterprise Bank, where he'd been banking for 20 years. And the banker said they'd noticed the memo on a check Craig had written to a law firm mentioning a cannabis contact. He said, are you doing business with cannabis companies? And I said, well, uh, you know, we're a magazine. Uh, I'm not a grower or anything like that. I, I have taken one advertisement from a publicly held cannabis company, and uh, we have since gotten another digital ad program going, but it's very sporadic. And so they said, well, you're going to have to fill out this, you know, four or five page application. So I filled it out, and you know, then they got back to me a week later, and they said, well, we think you filled it out wrong, so can you go back in and make some changes? So I said, sure, and you know, then sent it in, and then they came back to me, and they said, you know, because even people like you who are not really dispensaries or growers or whatever, because you do business, with cannabis companies, we have to charge a $500 a month fee um, to audit, you know, your banking. And that's to cover our costs for, you know, having a new compliance officer just to follow the cannabis industry. I said, well, you know, I'm generating about $1,500 a month in advertising. And you want me to pay 500 of that $1,500 to, you know, for, for you to audit me? I said, I can't do that. I, I said, I'd be losing money. Uh, I said, this makes no sense to me. Now, Craig Kaminer, the publisher of Sophisticated Living, went on to tell our producer that despite his more than two decades with Enterprise, the bank didn't budge regarding that new $500 fee. And when Craig vented on Facebook about the hurdle he was encountering, he found other banks willing to forego such a fee. Some are just prepared to, you know, go after the industry and participate feeling that they will eventually, or the legislators will eventually catch up to the state laws and all will be fine. I mean, it's people are spending 
hundreds of millions of dollars in the cannabis industry and, you know, the state as well as, you know, across the river. And I'm sure banks want to participate in that, but some banks aren't. So, you know, I even got a call yesterday from a senior officer who called me and she said, well, we, we want to keep you as a customer. I said, well, I, I don't understand what you're telling me. You know, do you want to keep me as a customer but still charge me that fee? In which case, I can't. And I'm just telling you straight up, I can't do that. The irony of all this is all of the bankers that I work with on a day-to-day basis have directly said, we don't like this, we don't think it's right, but this is kind of a corporate decision that's been made. And so, hey, they've said that in writing. And that is Craig Kaminer, the publisher of Sophisticated Living. And joining us now to tell us more about these issues and some possible solutions is David Smith. He's owner and president of the St. Louis-based firm Smith Patrick CPAs. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sarah. Happy to be here. So, Dave, hearing Craig Kaminer talk about his banking experience, does that ring true with what you hear from clients? Absolutely. Even the non-licensed businesses, uh, non-cannabis-touching businesses, we're seeing that across the board, and this isn't really, it's not anything new, though banks overall are becoming more comfortable with it um, in general. But there's, there's stories abound where, say, an unrelated business may have been doing work in that space or sometimes even investing. And we've heard stories where the bank was uncomfortable with that situation. And, and not only did they not even offer a, a fee to maintain the relationship, you know, we've heard stories where the bank basically said, come by this afternoon, pick up your money, you got to go. And by the way, your mortgage is on your house. You've got to get those refinanced and on and on and Whoa, on. Whoa, so, that seems crazy. It, uh, it can be for sure. I mean, I get that if these guys were drug dealers back before marijuana was not something that the state of Missouri was willing to sign off on, that that would be a totally different deal. But these are businesses that are fully legal in the state of Missouri. And in the case of somebody like Craig, he's not even a dispensary. He's just doing business with somebody who is. Yeah, it's a it's certainly a challenge for businesses like Craig and, and many others. You just I think the key, though, is make sure that you're communicating uh, with your bankers, especially in this banking space, let them know what you're doing, be upfront. And the last thing they want is a, a customer that they don't know what they're doing or, or doing something on the side. So it is kind of the bank's business if this is your business. Correct. Yeah. Wow. I mean, to me, as I'm hearing Craig talk about what happened to him, and I'm thinking of paying $500 a month as you're running a magazine, I'm thinking he should have just not put that on the memo field of his check. He should have hidden this from his bank. You have a very different take on this. The challenge is, is at some point, the banker may become aware of it. Or I'll tell you, in my personal situation, um, we work with a lot of licensees in the state. And I, I hope my banking relationships don't call me up tomorrow and cancel. But... Uh, but my insurance, we were going through the insurance renewal, and they did the due diligence. We let them know what business we operate in, but um, we, we had to go through extra questionnaires, and um, they gave it a closer look to, to manage their risk. It's really about managing their risk. Yeah. So you're a CPA. Your company does tax work for people, but you've also kind of expanded in that you're also doing some advising to these marijuana businesses, just as they're kind of dealing with this sort of issue? Correct. In a, really, a lot of our business, yes, the baseline is doing taxes and financial statement, everything you might 
think of a traditional CPA firm. But where we thrive is really helping the businesses and families that we work with um, expand upon what they're, you know, understand the numbers and how do they become better as businesses. We feel we, we actually love it when our businesses are successful and how they're building, building and growing their brand and, and making it, uh, helping them reach their goals. And that's yeah. what we try to do. And, and part of that is really advising. And one piece of that is advising our customers on banking relationships, how to, how to manage those relationships, how to identify it. And we, even though banking can be difficult in this space, we strongly recommend our cannabis operators to identify a bank that will work with them, even if they have fees to contend with, because it's really, it's good for their business. It's good for safety and operation to to bank as much as possible. I was going to say, I remember hearing about um, back when I lived in California that sometimes these bank or these marijuana businesses were being forced to do everything cash only. I mean, that sounds incredibly dangerous to be carrying around that much cash. Well, it absolutely is. I mean, it, think about any cash business. Yeah. It gives risk to the safety of not only the operator, but the employees working there, the customers, and throughout the transport. There's There's an extra added risk to that business by having a, having a cash only operation, and that still is is largely the case. There is a lot of cash, even with banking relationships. The big challenge is we've all become used to running our credit card at the grocery and and, and using your debit card at various stores. In fact, I, I've even been to some. Um, I think I was at a, a, a drive through restaurant several weeks ago. And they don't even take cash. Yeah, okay? they literally it's will not so take. much more common. Yeah. But that is not an option for these cannabis operators. So tell me this: is this you know these banks are kind of expressing to Craig that oh we think this is you know we agree this is ridiculous. Is this something banks are doing because they have to do it? It's not something that they have to do. They're not required to charge a fee per se. But what they're doing is the, the banks are really they're mitigating their risk. So. One, um, some of the things that banks are required to do is they're actually uh, – they have to follow the anti-money laundering laws. Now, cannabis businesses, they are illegal on a federal level. And so therefore, any dollars or transactions that the banks transact with those illegal businesses, they have to follow the guidelines in the Bank Secrecy Act, the BSA. And uh, specifically within that, anytime there's a transaction, they have to submit – um, an SAR, Suspicious Activity Report, okay? It's a lot of compliance. There is a way to do it, but many banks choose not to participate because of the extra burden, or they have uh, extra fees if they're going to file that process. Now, I think in, in Craig's case, um, it sounds like the bank just wants to make sure that there is no money laundering going through his business or otherwise. So, again, risk mitigation on their perspective. So there really is a burden for these banks. I want to go to the phone lines. Uh, Jim is calling from Bridgeton. I think he might have some insight into, into what we're talking about here. Uh, Jim, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Yes. Yes, good afternoon. I think I can provide a little clarification as to why banks are so reluctant to touch money coming from a, a marijuana-related business. Yeah. Um, most, most banks are regulated at a federal level, uh, and not only banks, financial institutions, credit unions, mortgage companies, things like that. They're, they're regulated at a federal level by a number of different regulators. It's not just one. There's the Office of Control of the Currency. There's the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. There's lots of different regulatory organizations at a federal level 
that are overseeing banks who are operating at a state level. Within the state, marijuana may be illegal, but as far as the feds are concerned, it's still illegal. And any bank that takes money from a illegal operation is is subjecting itself to some pretty significant risk. So it's it's very difficult for banks to to actually handle that money, even for things like a mortgage on a facility that a company might be building to use for a dispensary. And, and Jim, might, can I can I just ask real quick? Um, it sounds like you have some in depth knowledge of sort of regulatory landscape here. Is this a field that you work in yourself? Yes, I'm a manager for a company that actually produces federal regulatory compliance training for banks, credit union, mortgage companies, and non-bank uh, lender companies like payday lenders and things. It's, uh, the banking industry is probably the second most regulated industry after the pharmaceutical industry. Hmm. So the regulatory burden is is severe, and it, it is it is uh, risk mitigation is a very huge topic for financial institutions. They- no, thank, thank you for that, Jim. I appreciate that perspective. And it's good to have some sympathy for what these banks are going through. They're not just doing this to be mean. They don't hate medical marijuana. They're dealing with a lot of people looking into their business and, and regulating the heck out of them. Absolutely. It, and I'll even um, expound upon what Jim was talking about. Look, it, in our world, we're talk, we talk with a lot of bankers and businesses, and early in this process, when you know shortly after amendment two passed in 2018 i was speaking with some banker contacts just to identify if they were interested in uh, providing services to the industry and and some of the feedback i received from a particular banker he said look we'd love to um, we know there's a process but we don't want to give the regulators a roadmap to shut us down if they choose to. Mm-hmm. And so so that was their concern. Again, risk mitigation on their part, um, completely understand. And there's been other, other banks that feel that they can perform enough due diligence and have enough compliance that they to be able to support work. it properly. Yeah. Correct. So when you're dealing with, um, with clients who are in the marijuana business or marijuana adjacent business, are there banks that you can kind of steer them to? Like, yeah, these guys are open to this. You be up front with them, but you can have this conversation. Correct. Yeah. There's several in the St. Louis area and really across the state and, and truly across the country. Now, the general makeup of those banks, they tend to be on the smaller side, usually non-public banks. Okay. Again, I keep saying this, but it's really, it's all about risk mitigation. Mm-hmm. And some of the smaller banks, they may have a, um, a tighter control on things. And not to say that larger banks don't, but a little bit easier to control in a single branch typically. And there's also, there's also services out there who act as an overlay to banks that may not want to operate in the space directly, mm-hmm. but they'll be the overlay and handle the compliance on behalf of the bank. So people are figuring out ways to work within this imperfect world that we're in. I do also want to mention, though, there is a federal bill. This is uh, It passed out of the House. It's in the Senate. And it could really make some big changes. This is called the Safe Banking Act of 2021. What's your sense of what this would do for this problem we're talking about? Yes, yeah, so this is excellent. This actually passed the House April 19th, earlier this year, um, with a support of the majority of both the Democratic and Republican caucuses. Here in Missouri, that included Luke DeMeyer, Long, Bush, and Cleaver. Hmm. So we're getting support here in Missouri as well as throughout the country. But really, um, current the current environment, as we've been talking about, the fear of sanctions has kept a lot of banks and credit unions from supporting this industry. But what, it, what this Safe Banking Act does is it reduces those restrictions, provides safe harbor, and does allow the banks really to continue to to operate in these state legal businesses um, 
even if they're even as they're illegal on the federal level. So this could be an absolute game changer. Absolutely, yeah. It could be. It could be good. It would add to safety, open up access to the businesses. Here in Missouri, we've got 350 licensees, mm-hmm. um, licenses that have been issued, and. This would make banking available to all of our businesses. I guess what I'm struck by as I think about this, I understand that medical marijuana is still pretty new to Missouri. As you said, it passed in 2018, took a little while after that to get this all up and rolling. But medical marijuana has been happening in state after state after state, going back decades now. Is it shocking a little bit that we're still here, that you know that these problems are as big as they are for these businesses that are just trying to do the right thing? Look, it, it, yeah, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, we've got um, nearly 40 states that have some form of legalization in the cannabis space. We were 37, okay, as you say, a little bit late to the game, but we're a show-me state. Show me how it works. <laughs> right. We don't want to yeah. go first. Right. Ever. We, <laughs> yeah, not ever, not ever. But when we do it, we try to do it right and, and try to follow uh, follow what went on, but ultimately it is it is surprising. We've got a significant um, significant number of states, certainly more than half at this point, that have some form of legal legalization. Here, back to Missouri, when this passed in 2018, it passed with a majority of the voters. I believe 66 percent yeah voted for this. Um, and so again, bipartisan support on the House side at the national level, and you know really at this point. I mean, it's really just past time for the Senate to act and and get this moving forward so businesses can safely and securely file the laws. Well, Dave Smith, owner and president of Smith Patrick CPAs, I want to thank you for joining us today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. This episode was produced by Evie Hemphill with audio engineering by Aaron Doerr and production assistance from Jane Mather Glass. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.